This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to I'll Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay. Thank you so much for being here today. Today, you're listening to episode 251, and I'm talking with Emily Enfeld and Elise Cranny. This is the last of the Fun Friday series. I've had so much fun bringing you these extra episodes every week, and we are wrapping it up today with these two ladies from the Bowerman Track Club. Today's episode is sponsored by Koala Clip. Make sure you go grab yourself a Koala Clip. It is my favorite way to carry my phone with me on the go, on runs, on bike rides. It's water resistant so you can sweat, you can get rained on. Whatever happens, your phone will stay safe in the Koala Clips. So if you already have a Koala Clip, make sure you grab one to send in the mail to one of your best running friends. It's such a great gift idea. Uh, And you all can save 10% off your order when you go to koalaclip.com and use the code ANOTHER at checkout. Thank you so much, Koala Clip, for supporting this fun Friday series of the podcast. Okay, so Emily has been on the podcast. Emily Enfeld has been on the podcast two times before. She was actually one of the first pros to ever come on the show, episode 21. We talked right before the Rio Olympics in 2016. And then she was on again episode 147. So I asked Emily which of her teammates she thought would be fun to join her, and she suggested Elise. I've never had Elise on the podcast, but I'm really excited to do a solo episode with her after this. So Elise is one of the newest members of the Bowerman Track Club. She was a 12-time All-American at Stanford and was runner-up at the NCAA Championships four times. She focuses on the 1500 and has such an exciting career to look forward to. This is a super casual conversation and I hope you all enjoy it. If you are loving this podcast, please consider leaving a rating and review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. And if you love this episode, grab a screenshot and share it with your friends on social media. All right. Enjoy my conversation with Emily Enfeld and Elise Cranny. Well, today on the podcast, we are finishing up this little fun Friday series with Emily Enfeld and Elise Cranny of the Bowerman Track Club. Welcome to the podcast, ladies. Yeah, thank you for having us. (laughs) Emily's like 50th time returning guest on the show. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Um, And I'm so excited because, Elise, you are Well, I mean, there's a few Bowerman Track Club ladies that I haven't interviewed yet, but, um, you know, I recently interviewed Carissa and Vanessa, so I'm so excited to get you on the show, and we'll have to do a solo interview here soon as well. Yeah, I listened to theirs, so I listened to a lot of the Bowerman babes on your podcast, so excited to be on here. You know, Emily was like, you were one of my first pros to come on the show, and We've probably talked about this, but it was, it, you know, it's been like four years. Isn't that wild? Where did that go? No, I feel like time, also time right now, I'm like confused at where it's going because I feel like every day seems long. And then all of a sudden I'm like, what have I accomplished in the last <laughs> like 10 weeks? <laughs> I know. 
I know I'm having days where I feel like I need to get a lot done. And then I have days where I'm like, it's okay. Like you literally don't have to get anything done. You can just get through this day. Yes. I love that attitude. I've been the same. I'm like, when I'm feeling it, I'm like, I'm going to do a lot. Or if I just want to watch a whole season of Parks and Rec, I'm going to do that. (laughs) So tell me, tell me uh, between the two of you ladies, like, because I I asked Emily, I was like, who should we have on with you? I want to have another Bowerman Truck Club lady on the show with you. And she suggested you, Elise. So do you guys in non-quarantine times, are you two working out together? I kind of want to just paint a picture for everybody of, of what your team setting looks like. So we, um, I know, sorry, Elise, I can, I'll say a quick spiel and then I can let you talk too. Um, but I, I got to train a ton with Elise this fall, which was really fun. Um, and I automatically, I knew she was super talented, but I'm like, this girl has range. Like she's, I know how fast she was, but I'm like, we're doing all the false strength stuff. And I'm like, she's like just crushing it. Like so good. And it's just, it was so fun doing all the workouts with her. And I just, she is such a positive attitude and is one of the kindest people. Um, we had the same coach, um, in college, my coach from Georgetown went to Stanford. So I think we had a kind of fun connection because of that. And then now that we're on the team together and have gotten to do a ton of workouts together, it's just been so fun to form a great friendship. And she makes me feel like I'm 24. I'm like, can we hang out? We're like the same age. (laughs) I love that. And I said to Emily, well, you make me feel like I'm 30. So, you know, we're both and you're like, you're six years older than Elise. And then I'm six years older than you. So we're all feeling really youthful with you here, Elise today. <laughs> I tell her I like always forget that she's 30. I just think she's the same age as all of us. She's like so yeah, stylish going. and young and hip. <laughs> but yeah, I feel like we complement each other really well in training too because Emily comes from more of her 10K strength background. So she can pull me along in the strength sessions. And then I come more from like 815. So can help her in the speed stuff. So works well. Okay. So Elise, you joined the team, remind me and everybody else right before Vanessa or right after, or at the same time? Right after. So I'm a year younger than Vanessa, but I had a fifth year in cross. So I joined March of 2019. So it's kind of a weird, weird timing to join, but okay. Yeah. yeah. Cause we, when I talked with Vanessa, we were talking about like the classes that came in. So you kind of came in solo, whereas other other people have come in in more so groups. Yeah, like her and Carissa joined the fall uh, right before me, and then I joined like six months after in March. Okay, so why did you choose Bowerman? Yeah, I think um, the biggest thing is the team and, you know, being surrounded by just incredible people and athletes that I just felt we're going to make me a better runner, but also um, a better person. And I think coming from Stanford, like the team was always so important and something that was so motivating and such a big part of like my love for running. And I feel like that's sometimes hard to find post-collegiately. And I think that was like the main, you know, thing that was so attractive about Bowerman was like, it's almost like a college team post-collegiately in terms of like this incredible group of women all working together and wanting the best for one another. I love that you said um, like that you wanted the team to be with a team that made you a better person as well, because 
as we all know, like life isn't just about running, even though that's, you know, your career and a lot of what you're investing your energy and time into. Yeah, totally. Um, okay. Emily, you just said that you were paddleboarding this morning. So tell us about that adventure. Oh, so that's been my new hobby. I'm taking a little downtime from running. I had a long build and I'm like, I'm thinking in my head too. I'm like, never I feel like we normally have probably nine or 10 months of like hard, like straight training. And then we get kind of our break, but because I was coming off of surgery, I kind of tried to build back last summer and then was racing in the fall. And now I'm on just like a little bit of different schedule from other people. I have just some kind of compensatory stuff I'm dealing with. So I'm like, this will be my break. So it's actually been really nice um, because I can go out and paddle every day and I've been going um, most mornings and sometimes in the afternoons and it's just so quiet and peaceful. Um, I live on the water so I can just take my paddleboard like literally right from my garage and probably walk like 100 meters to this little kind of 50 foot trail and then walk down there and just post up in the water um, and it's just been so calm and peaceful and gives me like a good head, like headspace, I feel like. And it's my kind of meditation time um, in the morning. And it's also really hard. So I'm trying to get better at it. <laughs> like work all those core muscles, stabilize, stabilizers, uh, stability muscles. <laughs> okay. This is maybe a dumb question. Do you wear a life jacket when you do it? I know. So that's actually the thing that I feel like I probably should. Okay. Um, I like, I feel pretty safe because it's, I'm on um, a river that's super calm and the water's not like freezing. And I think that's probably um, where most people, if like, if it's really cold out, like that sort of thing where you want to be careful, just, I don't know, getting it, or if you're in kind of treacherous water, if you can get sucked in. But I, me and Max were just talking about it yesterday. We we're like, we probably should get that just to be safe. Um, so I, I feel comfortable and I can kind of go right on the shoreline. So I'm like pretty close. If I were Max fell in the other day, and it was so funny because I feel like he's given me grief about like my form and stuff, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, and look who fell in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. That's so funny. Uh, it does sound really peaceful. Um, I think I would be terrified about falling in, if nothing else, for the cold because the water's probably yeah. really cold. <laughs> oh, I love it. Okay, so. Since we last talked, Emily, you and Max, we, you were not engaged when we last talked. I looked back and <laughs> it was fall. I cannot believe it's, I sound like a broken record, whatever. I cannot believe it's been this long, but we just did a random catch up episode. This was the episode we had to re-record because I, my mic wasn't on. Do you remember that? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> okay. And so I was getting like all the details of Max because he was relatively new, I feel like at that time. So I was like, everybody wants to know about your new cute boyfriend. So yeah. <laughs> since you've gotten engaged. So congratulations. Oh, thank you. I know. I feel like I couldn't talk enough about him that you're probably like, so like, do you have a boyfriend? I'm like, yes, here, here's everything. I love him. <laughs> He's <We're> amazing. <laughs> uh, now, Emma, who is my communications coordinator, has told me of a story 
that you shared on Emma Coburn's live Instagram. And I want you to share it here in case all of my listeners did not tune into that live. Do you, at least you're laughing. Do you know what story it is? Uh, I don't know for sure, but I'm guessing. You probably heard it. I'm sure you have. Do you know what I'm talking about, Emily? I think I do. It's about the engagement and about Max asking mm-hmm. Your dad's permission. Room. Yeah. <laughs> Can you share? Um, so- yeah. Um, oh my gosh. No, it's so funny. I, I love my dad. He's like the kindest. So I'm going to start it off with that. He's like the kindest soul, but, um, he, Max and I had been talking about getting engaged and had been looking at rings. So I shared that with my family. Um, but Max still really wanted it to be a surprise. Um, he wanted to ask my dad's permission. So we went back to Cleveland for Christmas and he asked my dad, like they went out, I think to just grab like beer and wine at the store and then we're coming back. And so kind of something where my dad's like, Oh, I'm going to go to the store. Like, what do you guys want? Max is like, well, I'll just come with you and like pick stuff out. Oh, there he is now. Um, hi Max. Um, (laughs) but he asked my dad's permission that night and literally the next morning, (laughs) my dad told me. (laughs) What did your dad say? He, we were in the car and he was like, so Max asked me yesterday, uh, he could ask you to marry him. And I was like, what? And he's like, yeah. And then my dad just started like talking and talking about it and talking about like, you know, like you're like, cause both my sisters, my older, oldest sister is married. And then my younger sister is engaged and is getting married in September. But he was kind of ta- like talking then about like what they learned from like their weddings. And I was like, dad, what? Like, what are you talking about? We're not even engaged yet. Like, I think Max did that to try to be surprised. So I immediately told Max, <laughs> Max was like, wait, what? He was like, I told, like, now I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do it now. Like, now you know, you're expecting it. Um, which then to Max's credit, like, I do feel bad because we would go out to dinner and we'd come back and I just have like a frown face on and Max is like, what's wrong, Eeyore? And I'm like, I just thought you were going to propose tonight. It's <laughs> <laughs> like everything we did, we'd like go for a walk and I was waiting for it. Um, so yeah, I love my dad, but I was like, not a good secret keeper. <laughs> oh, um, is Max, is he getting ready to go for a run? Did he leave? Oh, yeah, he did. But he'll probably come back. Okay. Because uh, I was going to ask him a question. But if he's going to come back, that's fine. Oh, yeah, I know. Shoot, I should have, like, looped him in there. He just tried to scurry away right I now. I saw, I saw his running shoes <laughs> in his hands. And I was like, oh, he's totally going for a run right now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, I love that story. I think it's hysterical. So it was six months um oh no it was so yeah when did he asked my dad yeah like right before Christmas in December and then he proposed in March okay so yeah you got yourself a quarantine proposal yes (laughs) I remember seeing that picture I'm like well at least you know I like during quarantine right now we've been remodeling our kitchen so I've I keep saying at least we have something to look forward to like this kitchen remodel is exciting like you know and so you have something exciting that happened I feel like so many people have been in this like mundane phase of their life and you have a shiny new ring on your finger oh my gosh I know it makes me so happy um like I look (laughs) down on it and it's so sparkly (laughs) I love it um well Elise are you quarantined alone or do you have a roommate um, I actually live with Vanessa okay. and then Sean, who's also on the team. Okay, so cool. So three of us all went to Stanford and we all live together. So that's been nice to not be lonesome during quarantine. Yeah. So then have you all been working out together? What does that look like? 
Um, so we have been, Vanessa and I were running together uh, a good amount, just kind of from our house. Um, and then, yeah, we haven't been able to work out as a big group, but it's nice to have have Vanessa and even Sean will sometimes run with us if we're not going too slow for him. But <laughs> I was going to say, do I know Sean? He's So he's on the men's team? Yes, and he's the same year as Vanessa, so he joined uh, the same time as her. Okay, so is the is the like what is going on in your state? Is the whole group getting back together soon? Like as far as social distancing rules and whatnot? So yeah, I think they're hopefully starting to lift things in Oregon. I feel like I don't know. I feel like we're kind of lucky in that it seems like. Oregon, at least the area where we were, was like very on top of it very early. So I feel like it was able to keep cases pretty low. I don't know. Yeah. I feel like they did a really good job of, yeah. Um, Okay. Well, tell me, I want to know how both of you all are feeling just in terms of, you know, everything kind of being on hold. And as far as like, I know, Emily, you're taking some time off to deal with the compensation issues. But I, I feel that it must be really challenging to think, okay, this is an Olympic year, right? It was. Um, and so you're getting in like the most best fitness of your life. That's what your vision is for this summer. And so like how do you decide how am I going to maintain and get really fit but know that 2021 is the year that like I want this to really go down? Yeah. So we, I feel like it was funny. Um, I mean, we're also lucky that all of our tracks have been open during this time. I feel like there's some states where all the tracks are closed down. So we, um, once quarantine hit, I, Jerry started texting us our workouts and I feel like he kind of flipped a switch and we went from, I mean, we were working out hard, but then just doing some pretty intense track stuff that I was like, Oh, okay. It's like game on now. We're going to get some like, good fitness out of this, <laughs> uh, which was good. I think too, we had like a team zoom and he's like you know I think right now we can still get really fit and like all the fitness we have now we can just build upon that for next year which I think is good and it's unfortunate because it's easier I think when you have goals um in in the short term ahead of you where you're like okay I'm gonna race in three weeks and then like I'll race again a couple weeks after that or whatnot so you know you kind of get to show off the fitness you're doing I think it's hard when you're just kind of week in week out just grinding, being like, oh man, like I know this is good for me, but it's not, you don't kind of get to reap any of the reward from that until later on. So I think it's been a good lesson also in just our kind of mindset going into this and knowing that like we really have to love the process and love the training and all of this will pay off, but it's just not, not for right now. <laughs> we won't get to show it off, get, won't you get to, yeah, won't get to show it off for a little bit, but uh, it'll pay off later. So it's, um, just knowing that all this work, we can build upon it for next year. Yeah, I was going to say, at least for you, like you're so fresh into your pro running career. So I imagine graduating school, realizing you're going pro and then so soon into that journey being like, well, wait a minute, you can't you can't really compete right now. Um, how's that feel? I imagine that's hard. Yeah, it's definitely hard, especially I was a little bit banged up during indoor season two. So I was definitely like very inspired by watching all the Bowerman babes uh, race at Boston and was excited to be able to race with them in the spring. Um, But I also feel grateful in some ways, like Emily said, just kind of being forced to focus on the process. And I think 
Um, I didn't have as much consistency. I was like kind of injured on and off a bit in college. So I feel grateful kind of for this extra time to just keep, you know, building Jerry Miles and keep building that strength that I think will really pay off down the road. So trying to think of it that way is like, okay, this is a good time to like mature as an athlete and really gain, you know, that strength. Okay, talk to us about your relationship with Jerry. I always ask the Jerry questions because I have to say it every time. It's my dream to interview Jerry one day. Um, (laughs) I am, you know, I also want to interview Oprah, so I dream big here. (laughs) Here it all have another. My my sights are set really high. Um, But I just, I would love to hear why you decided, like, Jerry's the one I want to coach me and what that looks like now. Yeah, I think, um, again, I think even wanting to be coached by Jerry kind of goes back to the team, too, and just seeing, um, you know, what Emily, Shelby, Shalane, I mean, everyone on the team has done, and in such a wide array of events, too, you know, the steeple, the 10K, the marathon, the 1500, Um, so I think... Yeah, I think I just look to the team again and just see that as such a reflection, too, of, like, him as a coach. Um, and, like, that was just, yeah, I, I was really wanted to be a part of that. And I'd say since joining the team, um, I think he has such high standards and he gives us, you know, such great challenging workouts that sometimes you don't think you can do. But I think um, that's so helpful in you know, surpassing your own limits and basically what you thought you could do. And he's just like, here's the workout. Like you can do it. There's no like, Oh, maybe, you know, you should not do one rep or you should do part of this. Like, and I feel like that's actually really helpful in terms of like your own mindset as an athlete. Cause you're like, okay, my teammates can do this. If he's giving this to me, he like has confidence in me and believes I can do it. So even if I have a little bit of doubt, like let me push through that doubt and kind of find my new limit or what I, what I thought I was capable of and kind of surpassed that. And I think that just creates an incredible team environment and everyone's, you know, pushing past what they thought they could do. Does he, or did he, before you joined the team, intimidate you? Yes. I (laughs) I think he still does a little bit, but then you see him like when he gets into his story mode and he tell stories and you know you see him like around his kids and he's like such a kind person but I still think sometimes in you know workouts or the world of running especially when I first joined in March because I joined at such a strange time too and I didn't have like the fall base and I was just getting my butt kicked in every single workout and I was like so afraid I was like he probably thinks like why did I bring this girl here like she's finishing half of the workouts that I'm giving her so I was like scared for a little bit but I'm still a little bit intimidated but it's getting better (laughs) I loved hearing I don't remember you know if she brought it up or I brought it up but when I talked to Carissa on the podcast hearing her say those same sentiments about when she started the team and like watching Shelby finish workouts, for instance, and those those distances and same thing you just said, like not being able to finish them. And now she's been like crushing so hard. So does hearing someone like that talk about, OK, wait till two years down the road, what that will look like? Does that give you confidence? Yes, so much confidence. I'd say like both her and Shelby and 
Vanessa too, um, cause both Carissa and Vanessa were there in the fall. And like, so I didn't see their first couple months, but I think it was really helpful to talk to them and hear that because when you come in, you think you're like the only one and you're like, Oh my gosh, like maybe I'm not that good at running. I'm just getting dropped so hard, but it's like good to hear from them, you know, that you're not alone and, and other people had that same experience and you just slowly, you know, start to get the hang of his training and get more of that strength. Um, I think he just comes from such a place of training um, the strength side of things that you just really have to get used to that and kind of your body has to adapt to that. So. Is your main focus the 15? Yes, 15 okay. and hopefully some more 5Ks as I gain some more strength. I was wondering, are you going to be like bumping up in distance? <laughs> Yeah, I feel like I'll have some 5K. 5K. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, just wanted to interrupt and say that. I'm like, I've seen her training, and she's about to have a huge PR whenever there will be a 5K for her to line up. <laughs> Sorry, just need to interject that. <laughs> like, you should do the 10K. I'm like, no, the 5K seems good right now. You can stick to the 10K, and I'll just watch you crush that. <laughs> you let Emily stay on the 10K. Um, yeah. When Do you guys have any thoughts on when you might race again? I mean, it's hard to, to know, right? Oh, man. I know. I don't know. I I mean, I still have some hope that um, there's a race in Australia in December, um, that there's a 10K at least. And I'm still thinking that could potentially be a thing. But I don't know. I think Jerry even had talked to us and said, just as now races have been moved to the fall that we're going to probably get back into our normal fall routine. So he's not sure if those will kind of fit. Um, but I think we're all kind of looking to see like, you know, maybe, maybe something earlier in the winter, um, or kind of late fall, but yeah, just for right now going with the flow. (laughs) Yeah. Emily. Well, well, first of all, wait, Australia, were you going to do that anyway? And is that something everybody was going to do or was that just like Emily wants to go to Australia so I'm going to race in Australia (laughs) that's intense I've been trying to throw that at Jerry for the last couple of years because I was like, I have to get the 10K standard for this year. So I'm like, there's this 10K in Australia. I really want to go. And Jerry was, I think, like down for a little bit. He's like, that could work. Maybe that'll work. Um, But then I think just based on stuff I was doing on the roads, he was like, you know, I'm not confident you can go and run that time by yourself, Mm -hmm. which is fair and valid. And that's a long way to go. Um, But I'm like, well, maybe like we're all really strong and we'll all be like ready to get some racing in. I don't know. I think I'm just, I would love to go to Australia in general. (laughs) Yeah, it sounds amazing. (laughs) And just trying to see what races are on the horizon that I think will potentially uh, not be canceled or not be moved. So I'm like that one, I feel like it's far enough away that I'm hoping, yeah, it'll still be going on. (laughs) I know. Gosh, it's crazy to think of that. Hey, everybody, I'm going to take a quick break here and introduce you to one of my friends and one of the hosts of a podcast in the Sandy Boy Podcast Network, Lauren Flores. She's got some great things going on and I'm going to have her share it with you right now. Hey everyone, I'm Lauren, host of the Up and Running Podcast by Sandy Boy Productions. Each week, my co-host Abby and I run down the latest news in elite and professional distance running. Our episodes are informative, but also fun, kind of like listening in on two running buddies catching up on everything in the running world. In addition to the podcast, Up and Running also offers coaching, and this summer we are doing something really fun. Starting June 1st, we're offering a 10-week base training group coaching program. 
Each week, participants will receive their runs for the week, guidance on ancillary training like drills, strides, and strength, as well as some fun extras. Best of all, you'll get a community to do it alongside, which is super helpful right now. This program is great for runners of all abilities and is geared towards helping you get fitter, faster, stronger, and ready to launch into some serious fall training, whether that's getting ready for a marathon or cross country season. You can learn more at uprunning.co slash base training. Registration is only $100, but if you use code ANOTHER at checkout, you can receive $10 off. We can't wait to see you guys in the group. All right. Thank you so much, Lauren. If you all aren't already listening to the Up and Running podcast, make sure you go ahead and do that. It is one of my favorite podcasts, and I'm super proud to have it in the Sandy Boy Podcast Network. Make sure you also go check out the Illuminate podcast, which is another podcast in the Sandy Boy Network. I am one of the co-hosts over there, and just this week we had on positive parenting expert for the second time, Wendy Snyder. She is amazing and gives so many helpful pieces of advice that you can apply to your life right now. So that's the Illuminate podcast. All right, friends, enjoy the rest of my conversation with Emily Enfeld and Elise Cranny. I'm curious, have either of you done any of these like, well, no, Emily, you did that koala challenge on quarantine. (laughs) Did you do it, Elise? Um, I, I tried Sean and I tried, um, we actually need to try again. It wasn't, it wasn't too, it didn't work out too well. We kind of failed. So (laughs) might need to try again. (laughs) Okay. So I'm talking to, I'm, I'm talking about this challenge that if listeners know, it's this challenge on Instagram where you like crawl up over the other person, like, and you go up over their body and then you go underneath and you have to come up in between their legs. It looks very sexual to me. I have I, I'm very uncomfortable watching these koala <laughs> challenges. I'm like, what's going on here? <laughs> Do you hear what I'm saying? Oh yeah, they're definitely kind of awkward. Like I feel like I was watching. <laughs> I'm like, I can't watch this. This looks horrible. And Max's mom called us and was just dying laughing. And she's like, this is the funniest thing I've ever seen. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel like this is just like so bizarre looking. <laughs> Who did you watch do it? Um, or Max's mom, she called and told us she was watching it, but I think I saw Emma and Joe do it. And then Aisha and Will, and I was like, all right, I'm going to do it too. Yeah. We haven't, (laughs) I haven't done it yet. I guess we should try. I just, I don't think I'm strong enough. Does the person that's doing the crawling over have to be the strong one? Cause you have to hold your own body weight, right? Yeah, I think you both have to be strong because it's like the person has to stand totally still while they like you're like have your foot like by their face and are kind of like I feel like I was like jumping off of Max like I was using him as like a propeller to like hurl myself over his body um, that I was like I don't like I would crumple to the ground if someone was like putting their whole body weight on my knee mm-hmm. like trying like, um, use me as like a trampoline to like jump into the air. Um, but I, I didn't have enough core strength. I kept doing this thing where I would try to go on one side and then I would just like slide down his leg so slowly to the ground. Like it just was, yeah, I couldn't stop laughing. I think most of them that we did. And that was my biggest downfall. How many, (laughs) how many tries did you do? I think that was number five. Oh, that's not too bad. Yeah, but I didn't need him to help me because I like got to a point and I was like trying to crunch up and then I just couldn't stop laughing. So I was like, help me. And I just put out my hands and he just then like hurled me um, to the end. <laughs> oh, I love the it. laughing gets you. That's I think why we failed. I tried to like come through his legs and then come back up and like you have zero strength when you're laughing. Like I, like, I physically can't pull myself up when I'm laughing so hard. So it's just an epic fail. 
<laughs> like I'm trying to have a good time here and yeah. it's really ruining my strength. I tried the handstand one that I saw you do, Emily. I can't oh, lift. Yeah. I cannot lift one of my hands up. I, I guess you have to hold yourself up with one arm, right? Yes. It's weird though. I also don't know if I'm like, I don't know how close you're supposed to be to the wall. So I feel like that I was talking to Kate Grace about it because she had done it. Um, I saw her and Lolo Jones do it and then I'm like, Oh, I'm going to try this too. But I think I kind of created, like I was far enough away from the wall that I had, it, I don't know, it was like a little easier. So I'm like, I don't know if I technically did this right, but I did it. <laughs> Is, okay. Somebody told me, cause I did it. I tried it on my Instagram stories and just mi failed miserably, but posted it anyway. Someone told me you're supposed to, your head should face the wall and my head was facing out, but I thought heads faced out. Oh, like I don't. Oh. You go stand up and you go upside down, right? Oh, yeah. Wait, I think mine faced the wall. So maybe that's why it was easier. Okay. So I'll, I guess I'll try it with my, I'll do it today. Yeah. I'll, yeah, I'll yeah. do it today. I'll try it with my face, my head facing the wall. But I, I am not strong. I have, ever since quarantine, I'm so sad, you guys. I, for one full year, have been dedicated to going to this reformer Pilates class. I go every single week. Ew, I love that. But like, at, you know, what beginning of March. So I'm like kicking myself because an entire year of like actually doing core and really full body, you know, when you do the reformer, you're getting your butt, you're getting everything just gone. I'm like two months out, just gone. Oh. And my, my instructor's doing these zoom classes it's just not the same and I can't get, I mean, she's awesome. I just can't get myself to be motivated to work hard in front of my computer screen with my kids running around. You know what I mean? Oh my gosh. No. I mean, I think it's hard. I do reformer too. And I've been doing the zooms, but I'm like, it's hard enough when like boots comes into the screen for like a hot second. Yeah. I'm like, I feel like I have to go in my own private room so that I'm, I don't know, or I'm like not distracted by Max um, or whatnot, but I'm like, you're so impressive with like your kids running around trying to even do that. Um, I feel like that's, <laughs> that's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, and also, I mean, it's just something to be said for being in a group setting. Even I go to those quad classes, but like, you're just, you just want to, it's why you guys work out with your teams, right? Like you just want to work harder with when you're with a group of people. Oh, totally. I think it's hard to like, I don't know, the Zoom stuff, especially for that. Pilates is so cool because they can see, like, if you're slightly turned one way or not. But I feel like it's so hard unless you had, like, a million angles on you so you could see, like, your, like, both sides, the back, the front, so you could see, like, how your hips are moving. Mm -hmm. So for me, almost, it's like, I'm like, I can't tell if I'm, like, quite doing this the exact same way, whereas when you're on the reformer, you, like, you know. Um, yeah. My hips Just, are never squared right. She, I mean, she is forever fixing my hips in class. And so when we're doing it on Zoom, I know they are <laughs> not right. And she'll have like 30 people on the class in Zoom. So we're all just like these little boxes. But even if there was three of us, you could, you, she can't see what I'm doing. I, I guess I'm just like, well, if it burns really bad, I'm doing something right. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. I have listener questions because I had another question, but I'm afraid that one of the listeners asked it and I don't want to, I want them to ask it. So let me pull at least one of them up and then we can discuss. Um, okay. Oh, let's do Vanessa's question first, because I was going to ask you both about your coach and I think Vanessa kind of covers this. So hold on just a second. 
Hey, Elise and Em, it's your favorite teammate here. And since we all shared the same college coach, I was wondering what is a fun memory that stands out to you from your time with Coach Milt? Something that really stands out to me actually is that he would always talk about Emily in his speeches to our team and he described her as fun kind bubbly on the surface but if you get her in a dark alleyway she's a stone cold killer just speaking to her competitive and driven spirit and I really loved that so I want to hear your coach melt memories and stories I love that I was like that's so perfect no. Oh, my gosh. I love that. It's nice to hear Vanessa's voice, too. That was cute. <laughs> he really would always use Emily as an example, and it was great. Like, in big team meetings and in one-on-one meetings, he would meet with me, and he would be like, Elise, you need to be more like Emily. You need to be, like, balanced, you know, like, have fun outside of outside of running and, like, not be, like, so intense in school. You need to find more balance. And he was like, and then when she got on the track, you know, she would just – go ham and be such a good competitor and yeah so he would always use you as, as an example <laughs> oh my gosh I love that I feel like coach Milt talks me up way too much and it's so funny to hear that when I love him telling you guys to be balanced because I think my first two years of college he told me I need to be a little less um and my balance needed to steer more in the direction of track <laughs> the direction of friends and going out <laughs> that's hysterical so I'm like, I like that he uses that as an example now to be like, she was really balanced. And I'm like, hey, I think I was in the wrong direction for a little bit there. <laughs> the other way. Oh, that's so funny. Oh, oh my gosh. I so I don't know. I'm thinking about Coach Milt. I just love, I mean, he always says fired up. And I feel like I still like think of that phrase, but he'd always talk about getting fired up. And I I mean, one of the things I think is so funny is that going to Georgetown, he would always call us a blue collar school um, because we, I mean, Georgetown isn't really blue collar, um, clearly, but we didn't have a track. Uh, so we would use the community track that was also a dog park and it was only 320 meters. So that was where we did all of our workouts. Um, so he would, I think when we were getting ready for big races and meets, he would always talk us up and be like, you know, we're the underdogs, like we're the blue collar team out there. And I just, I loved it. Cause I thought it did. I feel like for us, we had to know going in that it's like, we don't need all that stuff because we don't have it. We're not going to have it. So I'm like, he would kind of like change that perspective. So he's like, use this as a positive um, when it's something that you would see it as as a negative. And that's something he said to me on my recruiting trip. He's like, I'm not even going to take you to the track because the track is garbage. Like it's not the track, like the facilities aren't good. So I'm not going to sell you on that. And I think for me, him being so honest about that. And then he's like, but you know what? We can excel and we can be really good and we can win um, Big East championships. We can still win national championships. And just having his just confidence in us and in the program and the culture of the program was huge. Um, So I think that just for me, um, I don't know. I always remember his speeches and I always just kind of laugh about it because he would get so heated and so fired up talking about how we're the underdogs and um, blue collar. And it just, it cracked me up a ton. And then I remember going to practice and there would be dogs just like off leash running in the middle of the track while we're trying to do a workout. And I'm like, you know what? It is what it is. It doesn't matter. Like, all, like this is just I feel like better mental practice for us in like when we go out to a race there aren't going to be dogs running all over the track so um <laughs> this is good, good <laughs> so those are some of my favorite 
Coach Milt memories and speeches. He's so good at the uh, getting you pumped up speeches. Vanessa and I talk about that. Like even every once in a while and we talk to him now, like you get off the phone and you just want to go like race right now because he just fires you up in a way that's, yeah, not many people can. I think that's pretty cool that the, that all three of you were coached by him, that three Bowerman ladies were all coached by him. And I love hearing positive stories from college coaches because, you know, there are plenty of women who had poor experiences with certain coaches. So um, I always just love to give people the opportunity to speak positively about their coaches when they had a good situation. And it sounds like that's what you all had. Yeah, I think it's nice, too, because we still I mean, I think we all still keep in great touch with him. Um, I love getting their Christmas card. Him and his wife have four kids and they're just like I also I'm like, she's amazing. Um, Colleen, um, coach, I'm like Coach Milt's wife. I still can't call him Chris. I'm like, Coach Milt, you'll be Coach Milt forever. (laughs) (laughs) But I just think it's so nice. Like we he came out for NXN this year and we all got dinner together and just we're kind of like rehashing stories. And I don't know how long we were sitting at dinner, but I feel like three or four hours. And all of a sudden, like they were kicking us out. They're like, we're like the restaurant's closing. (laughs) And I'm like, wait, what time? Like, it's only nine. I'm like, oh, no, it's like after 1230. We've been for a really long time. (laughs) Props to them for staying out till after 1230 with four kids at home. I, I, you will not see me doing that. (laughs) Well, she was still at home with the kids. So this was his, like, his coming to recruit. So I think he was like, this is the only time I can do this once a year. And like, I'm going to be toast for a little while after, but it was a great catch up. (laughs) How does he differ in coaching style from Jerry? What do you think, Elise? I would say he is, he's much more, um, and I don't know if this is just a function of like, collegiate versus post-collegiate running but I would say he's much more um like communicative I guess in terms of like um day-to-day and like that could just be a function of the college system um and he'll definitely like again like we've said in his speeches like hype you up and tell you you know what he thinks you can do and like really make sure you're like fired up and motivated going into a race um and I'd say Jerry is a little more like quiet and definitely doesn't have, you know, speeches that necessarily like get you fired up in the same way that coach Milt does. Um, but he also like is really, Jerry's really good at like knowing what kind of shape someone is in. Like, I feel like he can tell you what kind of shape you're in and then people go and do that in a race. So he has a really good idea of, of what you're ready to do. Um, but yeah, I would say that's the biggest difference. I don't know what your thoughts are. Em. Oh, yeah. No, I agree. I think Coach Milt, um, yeah, and I don't know if it is a product of the college system, but we would, I feel like he'd have meetings with athletes like at least once a week in his office, that sort of thing. Um, And he just told us, um, I mean, at least in college for me, he would write like every like minute that you're running. He'd be like 25 minutes in the morning, 35 minutes in the afternoon, whereas Jerry writes the workouts for us. Um, but we never know them until after we've like warmed up, done all our strides and we have like five different shoes that we're looking at, like what shoes should we wear today? And it's like, what's our workout going to entail? And then he'll tell us, uh, which is kind of funny. <laughs> um, yeah. And a little different in that sense. But then Jerry too, I'm like, when he does say something, if he's like, you're going to make this team or you're going to win this race or 
do you're going to run this time? I feel like we all know we're like, oh, he said that, like, we can do that. Like, we better, like, better be able to do that, um, which gives us confidence in that sense um, as well going into the race, but not as much as those kind of like passionate speeches where you're like, I want to go race right now, <laughs> which Coach Milt does. <laughs> I picture Jerry just like giving you a look that tells you you can do it just based on the interviews that I've, I've had with the people on the team. Yeah, I definitely think that's true. I do think it's like Jerry, he, it's funny because he can be really talkative. Like I feel like when you get him on the phone, you can be, you're like, oh my gosh, Jerry, like get off the phone, like stop talking about the same thing for hours and hours. Like I got to go now. Um, <laughs> like when you get him on the phone, because I feel like he doesn't always answer. And then we're like, Jerry, where are you? And then you finally talk to him. And it's like, all right, like, I just needed a five minute quick answer. And now it's been 45 minutes, I got to go. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which is kind of funny. But I do think he yeah, I mean, normally is like pre race, he'll just be like, give us one or two words or um, yeah, just his quick thoughts. And during the race, I remember um, a 5k Shalane and I did in Houston and just looking at him kind of on um, the side of the track. Cause it's like so fun. They just, I feel like you can line all the tracks there right on the fences in Europe. Um, so he was right there and I, I don't even think he was cheering, but I just like looked at him and saw his face and I was like looking to be like, it, like, am I on pace? And he just like nodded. And I was like, Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I keep going. <laughs> oh, listeners, raise your hand right now. If you're like, Lindsay, stop harping on Jerry. We know you love Jerry. <laughs> um, okay. This is another listener question from Elizabeth. Okay. Here we go. Hi, Emily and Elise. Did you try any projects or crafts or new recipes during quarantine that did not turn out as you had hoped? Other than the koala challenge? Oh, my first five attempts at sourdough were horrible. Oh, you're a sourdough person. <laughs> I know. I'm one of those people. I kind of hate it because I'm like, I see all these memes about all the people baking mm -hmm. bread during quarantine. I'm like, oh, that is me. <laughs> <laughs> mm -hmm. I never, I never did it. I just, it stresses, stressed me out. I was like, something's going to happen. I'm not going to, cause do you have to be patient to do sourdough? Cause I have, I don't have patience. Yes. No. So that's my problem too. And that's what Max said to me. He's like, why are you trying to do this? Like you don't have patience at all. And I'm like, this is a practice in patience. And then I would do a sourdough that turned out terribly. And I get a little too upset that it didn't turn out. And I'm like, okay, just try to like be positive. And then it started to turn out and I'm like, all right, I feel way better about myself. But I'm like, I think it was definitely annoying at me for a while. Like I threw out a whole starter because I'm like, this isn't working. Like this is garbage. Um, after I had spent like 12 days doing it in like five failed loaves or something like that. And Max is like, it's just bread. And I'm like, this is the only productive thing I've done all quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> Well, where do you even get your starter? I know my my best friend in my neighborhood has a starter, and she's always offering her starter to people. And I'm like, stop offering your starter to me because I don't want your starter because I'm stressed out thinking about trying to make this bread. That's what I kept trying to tell. I was, like, texting um, the girls on the team and some of my girlfriends in Portland. I'm like, do you want me to drop one off on your stoop? And they're like, no, thank you. I don't need it. Uh, but I actually just made mine from scratch. So you can do it. One of my best friends from home, her and her husband were doing it. And that's what kind of inspired me. They were like, it's, like, it's so fun. And we were 
kind of trying to share our tips back and forth. So I'm like, okay, if you guys are doing it, like I started it, I think two or three days after them. And then we were trying to just see like, not like compete, but just kind of see like how we both did and kind of compare things, which was like a fun way to stay connected. Um, yeah, to my friend Bridget and her husband, um, which is fun, but I, all you need is flour and water and you just have to, it takes probably seven to 12 days for your starter to be active enough to use for bread, but it's like, you just feed it. So it's like, you start with flour and water and then each day you have to throw part of it away, like the old stuff. And then you have like a little bit of the, like the quote unquote starter, but you keep feeding it flour and water. Um, and then it just is like alive and grows, I guess it's like active and bubbly. Um, but it is, yeah, it just takes a while I feel like. And then also takes a while to get your technique down. So I'm like, I water or flour is like a hot commodity. So there is no yes. flour. <laughs> I was going to the bakery by me and just buying flour from them. And now they have a sign outside that's like has their prices of flour and the different types of flour. And I'm like, I bet that's from me because I was, <laughs> I was like, do you guys have flour? Will you sell it to me? They're like, uh, okay. Like how, how much a pound? I was like, I don't know, whatever you want. They're like, okay, a dollar. And I was like, that works. it's so true we were trying to make uh homemade pizza the other day and my husband had to go to three stores to get uh, flour and i think the active yeast or whatever he needs because people think that the world is ending and there will never be flour again Yes. I, it's like crazy how there is no toilet paper for a while. And then it was like, I think everyone, I was like, I had like had the idea to start doing bread probably like a week after everyone else. Cause I went to the store and I'm like, wait, where'd all the flour go? I'm so confused. <laughs> Everybody else has already been making sourdough for a week. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, do you have anything at least that you've done or tried or failed at while quarantining? Um, Let's see. Sean and I did some of Emily did one of these, but the like Bowerman at home like core videos and it ended up turning out well, but it took us like way too many tries. Again, I was laughing way too hard <laughs> and we were trying to fun like partner one um, where we were doing like partner exercises together and I was doing like a med ball throw against his stomach instead of like a wall and he was getting so oh. mad at me because I was laughing so hard and it wasn't working and he was like Elise is taking us way too many hours so it eventually worked out but it was like a fail for a while considering it was taking us just a lot of hours to do so you were doing these videos just to like promote on Instagram just to have something to push out um well like Chris Derrick and Emily Pritt and um kind of wanted to have Bowerman have more of a like social media presence during this time and kind of, you know, give workouts and tips for people at home. So on Tuesdays, I think every Tuesday they would release like an at home core video. So like Emily did one, mm. Gwen did one, I think Courtney did one as well. And then on Thursdays they were having, they were doing like throwback races and having um, people on the team comment, commentate um, like old races. And then they were doing some Instagram lives with people on the team on Sunday, which was really fun. I think just to try to like reach out to, to people and followers and kind of give insight into, into life at Bowerman, um, and kind of connect during this quarantine time. So, okay. So I know the name Chris Derrick, but are they, are these people in charge of like the PR of Bowerman? So Chris is on the team 
And then he, but him and Emily, I say, play a big role in um, kind of like the social media and building the group and the Bowerman Youth Club um, and all of that type of stuff. And they are really good at it. So Okay. So they were just like, hey, let's get out there. Like, let's. Let's do some fun interactive stuff just in general. I think that's been, I think it's kind of been like hard to strike a balance with that right now because um, I don't know about you guys, but I've kind of felt like, oh, I should be doing more. Like I should do an Instagram live or I should be posting more, but it like honestly kind of stressed me out. So I just backed away um, and instead I've been producing extra podcasts, but um, I don't know. Did you guys see Steph Bruce post about like she was doing all these Instagram lives and recently she posted like I like I overdid it. Like I was just doing a little bit too much and I just needed to step back. And um, what she said just really spoke to me because um, she was doing it in a different way for me. I've been doing extra podcasts because I've been looking for this purpose to like, you know, I, I want some purpose in my life right now when everything feels crazy and I can't go places. Um and I remember thinking when I kept seeing Steph, because you know when someone you follow um, does goes live, you get the notifications on your phone. I kept, yeah. when if you open the app, I kept seeing Steph go live, and I kept thinking, how is she doing that? Because she's a mom too, you know, and she's got her two little kids at home in the evening. And for me, I'm exhausted. Once my kids go to bed, I'm like, I cannot function in terms of interviews or anything like that. So I was like thinking, man, I can't believe she's able to produce like this. And then she posted recently and I thought, okay, we're all human, you know, like we're all human and we're all burning our different at different ends for different reasons at different paces and different times. And, um, yeah, her post just really resonated with me. I wasn't sure if either of you saw it. Oh yeah, no. And I think, I mean, I totally agree. I feel like for a while, um, I don't know what it was because I'm like, we were still like training really hard. It's not like we were taking a downtime from our um, like workouts or yeah, like track sessions, mileage, all that kind of stuff. But I felt that need where I was like, oh, this is a time where like, I like, I feel like I need to be doing something like I need to be like figuring out how and I don't know if it necessarily was like, I need to be like connecting mm-hmm. to people or like trying to, yeah, trying to feel like I have a purpose or like I'm, because I don't get to show like I'm doing my workouts and I know that I'm getting fitter and building upon that, but there's no races to show it off. And I'm like, I need to show that I'm doing something or that I'm gaining something. Um, like I need some sort of like goal to be doing. Um, or then too, I'm like, I feel like I, everyone else is doing this. Everyone else is like posting workouts and all this stuff. Like, should I be doing that? Is that something like, is this like, are we like all like brand building? And then I'm like, <laughs> I'm someone who like, I, I love Instagram and I love all this, but I, I don't know. I feel like I want to post what I want to post when I want to post mm-hmm. and I don't want to like force to do stuff. And I felt like I was trying to do that too, where I'm like, oh, I should be posting every day, like just because like I should. And then I'm like, well, no, because I don't want to be posting something like just to post it. So I kind of, I feel like I had probably two weeks where I think I was posting like every day and then I was getting annoyed at myself and I'm like <laughs> oh I don't like I need to I need to back off like I'm like annoyed at this so now I've been taking it slower and it's nice to not feel like I'm on it all the time um which is fine too because I'm like sometimes I'm like oh I don't want to feel like I'm not like keeping up with what everyone's doing and I'm like well that's okay like I don't expect everyone to be like I don't know following me every single day because all I'm doing really is baking sourdough and <laughs> like, 
Like I'm not just like, I don't know. It is what it is. So <laughs> I totally feel that. But I was, I'm like, I was impressed because I saw her and Emma Coburn was doing so many lives. And I'm like, I got asked uh, by a couple people to do some lives. And I was like, yeah, maybe. And then I was like, I can't, I'm too overwhelmed. Um, and I don't know why, like, it just, it's funny. I'm like, that's not something that, I don't know why it seemed that overwhelming to me, but I like, I went on Emma's um, and I went on uh, someone else's. And then I had like a couple other people who I've met through like running um, who asked me to go on their lives. And I think it just, for some reason, I was like, I need to take a step back from this. Like I'll go on, but just like, not right now. Um, yeah. <laughs> and I wasn't doing it like stuff I feel like was every day. And Emma oh, was yeah. doing like every day for a while and still like two or three times a week. So I'm like, gosh, my tolerance is way less, <laughs> way less than theirs. <laughs> There's something stressful about the lives too. You know what I mean? Like right now in this podcast we're recording, like if you needed to be like, hold on, give me a minute or whatever we could, or you could be like, can you just cut that out? We could totally do that. But when you're live and people are watching, there's just a different kind of pressure. Oh my gosh. No, well, I was fumbling with Emma's too. I like also didn't think, think it through like where I was going to put my phone. So I like couldn't find an angle. And then I was like squatted down <laughs> trying to look. And then Max came over and he was like, what are you doing? And I was like, I can't. And I was like, don't talk to me. I'm on live. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, and you know, <laughs> the, the pros at this live stuff, they have like their ring light on their camera and like, it looks it probably looks really good where they're because I did one live over quarantine with somebody and I was like, I just got back from a walk and I was all disheveled and the lighting was terrible. And I was like, hey, like I, I knew that there was nothing glamorous about the way I looked. But, you know, I think that sometimes people appreciate that approach, right? Yeah. Oh, I totally agree. I like that. It's just being super real. <laughs> I was going to say this and I hope you take it the way that I mean it. I love how your Instagram isn't super curated. Like you don't feel like you have to put like a professional photo. It's like, Hey, this is me today. Yeah. And I think that people <laughs> that that's without sounding cliche, cause it's cliche, but like that just feels like way more real life than always having like some professional shot of you and then talking as if it's today, but like an older picture, because I think that that sometimes just takes the Insta out of Instagram. And I, Hey, I use pictures like that sometimes too. Like, Oh, I get a good picture. I'm like, I'm going to use that down the road when I need a picture with a post. But, um, I just really appreciate how you present yourself on your Instagram. <laughs> Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. I'm like, sometimes I think I throw stuff up too haphazardly and I'm like, Ooh, I should put a little more thought, but that's okay. <laughs> okay. Here's another one. This is from, um, this is from Lizzie and I think it's a hilarious question. Hey ladies, this is Lizzie down in Tampa, Florida. Um, I have a question that I'll just pose to the whole group, get a little discussion going. Um, I know it's been mentioned on previous episodes of All Have Another that when the Bowerman babes are living together and training up at altitude, that one of the things y'all like to do to hang out and relax is watch, uh, you know, garbage reality television like The Bachelor, of which I am also a huge fan, so no judgment. Um, but I want to know, you know, irrespective of everyone's relationship status, and by the way, Emily, congrats on your recent engagement, um, but... You know, if everyone was single, which of the girls, um, or I guess I should say women, right, Lindsay, which of the women do you think would make the best and most entertaining contestant on The Bachelor? 
Thanks, y'all. <laughs> I love that. I thought that was such a fun question. What do you think? I mean, I don't know why I just thought Vanessa in my head, just because she's beautiful and like so fun. Um, and I think she also would be like, she wouldn't be drama. I think she'd be the people who, if other people are having drama, they'd like talk to her and she'd be the one like eating it up and being like, oh gosh, okay. <laughs> Let me bring these chicks back to reality. <laughs> yeah, I feel like Vanessa would be really good. I thought of Vanessa or Colleen. I think they would both. They yeah. both do really well on it and be entertaining. And Colleen wouldn't, like, take any drama from anyone. She would, like, lay down the law, I feel like. Yeah. I mean, what about <laughs> Shelby? Like, she would just be like, what is happening here? <laughs> oh, yeah. I, Shelby would be really funny to see on that. Because I feel like she'd be like, I feel like the guy would be into her. And she'd be like, I don't even want to be here. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that, that's what I was, that's what I was picturing, too. Oh, that's so funny. Because who are we? Then who do we have left? We have Carissa, Marielle. Who are we missing? Who have we mentioned? Courtney. Yeah, Courtney, Gwen, Gwen. um, Kate. I'm going to say, I'm going to say Emily. I think that you'd be funny. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, Max. We're sending her to The Bachelor. (laughs) I told Max I was going to, I mean, I wasn't going to, but I told him, I was like, I was thinking of applying for The Bachelor before we met. He's like, what? I was like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I would. Would you do it? If I, like, if I was a young single gal, I mean, like, I think it'd be kind of fun. Yeah, I feel like it'd be fun. And I think it's so funny, the girls that are friends from it after, because I'm like, like, I feel like you're supposed to be competing for a guy, but I love seeing that they're like going on vacations together and they get to know each other well because they probably spend more time together oh, than sure. any of the girls spend with the guy. <laughs> oh, for sure. I love that. Yeah, that's so funny. Um, I mean, I, I've been married for 12 years and I, every time I watch The Bachelor, I always like picture myself in the, the situation. I'm like, well, I would have done this. And it's like, Lindsay, you are so far removed from that ever being a reality of your life. Stop thinking like you're actually there. But it's a fun escape. Oh, yeah. I, that's why I think I love it so much. And why we all love it is that it's just a good escape from reality and from just being like, this is, yeah, just a different world. Um, and it's always so entertaining. I'm like the things that people get upset by, but I feel like they kind of do torture tactics. They like, don't let them sleep. And I feel like they like force or like, they're like, here, we don't have anything to eat, but here's all this alcohol. Let's see how you react. (laughs) Let's see how, um, how much of a fool you can make of yourself by starving yourself and also drinking alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> um, I always wonder, cause they never show video. I'm like, these chicks have to be working out. Like either they're not eating at all or they're working out a lot, but you never see them ever exercising. You see the dudes exercising, like on the bachelorette, you see the guys like doing pushups and stuff, but you never see the girls working out. No, I remember seeing Jojo like doing curls with wine bottles and like <laughs> Time I remember seeing someone doing like some semblance of a workout. <laughs> yeah, like, do any of these girls just like go for a run? I wonder. Surely there's been some that do. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Speaking of running, here is a running-ish question. But this is from Chelsea. Hi, Lindsay, Emily, Elise, and of course Boots. This is Chelsea from Washington D.C. I was wondering, Emily, what's your favorite run around uh, the D.C. area? 
I work at Georgetown and spend a lot of time running on the CNO path, but was wondering what other loops are your favorite. Thanks. Oh, I love the Rock Creek Park trails. I feel like they're so um, just bad. Like they go on forever and ever and you can do lots of loops um, from them through different parts. And we would do this loop uh, from kind of where the Georgetown track is in like Berleith area of um, Georgetown in DC. And you would hit these, we called them reservoir, reservoir trails because it was off Reservoir Road, but it was Rock Creek Park trails. And you could take them to the zoo and then do this loop in the zoo um, and then come back out. And I mean, I feel like in college, we'd always like stop it and look at like some animals for like a hot second and then continue our loop. But it was it's just like a beautiful loop and it's never that busy. Well, when we were running there in college, I guess, during the day, if she has time during the day on a weekday, it's so nice. And just I love it. I love having the trail and then you have kind of cement. But it's just I thought it was so cool that you could run through the zoo. Yeah, that is so cool. We have a loop here in Indy that you go back behind the zoo, but it's, I actually never go there during the day though, if I'm by myself, because it's kind of like this like secluded back area and I just, Uh, it scares me. So I don't, but it's, it's pretty back (laughs) there. Um, okay. This is the last listener question. Hey, Lisa and Emily, this is Carrie Tullifson. You guys know me from the running world as a broadcaster, but also with C. Tolly Run, my podcast. And I love what you guys are doing with Bowerman. You're amazing athletes, great people. Your smiles light up every room. And listen, my question for you is who makes you tick? Who makes you excited to race? Who makes you excited to train? Is it a competitor? Is it your partner? Is it your coach? Is it your family? Who is it? that helps you get through that ninth rep when you have 10 by one mile or that 20th hill when you have 24 of them or that dreaded 10th lap of the 5k who is it that gets you out the door gets you through the race and wanting to represent the red white and blue good luck you guys stay focused we're here for you thanks Lindsay. oh i love that i love carrie um what do you think Luis? do you want to go and then i'll go Yeah, that's such a good question. I feel like there's so many people. Um, I'd say the first person that comes to mind is um, my assistant coach um, in high school. He was assistant cross-country coach. Um, His name is Jason Hartman. He actually ran for Nike for a bit and uh, was fourth in the Boston Marathon, I think, two different years. Um, And I think my freshman year, he just totally opened my eyes to the world of running. And I didn't really know that any competitions existed, like outside of the state of Colorado. And he opened my eyes to like New Balance Nationals and Nike. And he just had this confidence in me since he met me. And I feel like he's someone that I still talk to. And I uh, think of often and am like so grateful that he introduced me to the world of running. And like, I wouldn't be here at Bowerman without him. So I feel like he is probably the the biggest uh, inspiration and person that makes me tick. And then um, this is like a lot of different people, but I would say all of my teammates, like high school teammates, Stanford teammates, and now Bowerman teammates. Um, I just think when you are all like racing and pushing each other and, you know, working together, um, that you discover so much about yourselves and each other. And I think 
all of the runs that you have together and all those hard workouts you push through. Uh, those are the people that you're also like thinking about in races and thinking about when it's getting really hard. I love that. Mm, I love that too, Elise. Um, I mean, I think very similar to her, I think teammates in general has been huge for me. Um, I feel so lucky in that, uh, Shalane and I race together a bunch and I feel like having her in races um, with me and then now having we did like a 5k at Boston and having Vanessa and Courtney and Marielle there it's like when your teammates are all there with you it just continues to push you and you're like they're all doing it they're all here with me like I know I can keep going Um, and I think what's so cool about our group is the wide range and that it's I mean there's so many people, everyone's going to have a bad day. Um, and it's when you have those bad days and then you look around at your teammates and you're like, okay, I can like, I'm having a bad day, but like, I can still continue to work. Like I can do this. They are doing it. I think that continues, um, to push me as well. Uh, and I just think, I don't know the women U S distance running is just so good that I can look at so many competitors. Like I still, I think Molly huddle is just amazing and incredible and her I mean the American record in the 10k is so fast and I feel like I just think about that and I look at her dominate um so many races road races track races um and Sarah Hall as well I think is super inspiring to me and just seeing kind of the work they put in and how um I feel like Sarah has I mean this last couple years, she's had some incredible races, but she doesn't have, she doesn't knock it out of the park every time. And that's also really inspiring to me to be like, she just grinds day in, day out. And she, I mean, has continued to build year in, year out, but that doesn't mean that every race she knocks it out of the park. And I think that's a good lesson for me and looking up to um, those women as well, who I think are just continuing to like elevate uh, the game and uh, U.S. distance running has been really inspiring and continues to get me to be like, you know what, I want to get faster. I'm looking at how fast these women are running and I want to continue to try to close that gap and be closer to, to them. I love that answer. Um, and I love what you said about Sarah because it's also true. And I, every time she has a race, whether it, she does knock it out of the park, like when she ran so fast in Berlin, um, when she ran that 222, or when she has a race that doesn't go so well, like she always has the, the best takeaways. Like it'll be in the form of a tweet, but or whatever, you know, to, to send the message to all of us watching. And I, it always resonates me in some way, shape or form, like, Oh, that makes sense. And I also love that she just carves her own way. You know what I mean? Like regardless of what anybody else is doing or saying, that girl loves to race. She loves to race. And so what's she going to do? She's going to race because it brings her joy and it makes her happy. And I love that about her. Yeah, me too. (laughs) Um, Okay, ladies, did you come up with a happy song for our quarantine happy playlist? I hope so. (laughs) Um, So mine is Max and I have been loving Harry Styles. I don't know when his album came out, but it's like, it's just so good. But I love Watermelon Sugar, that song. I don't know it. It's really happy. And we listen to, he does this, um, the Tiny Dust concerts, if you guys have heard of those, they're like the NPR series, but he does one of those and he does it acoustically 
and talks about it. And he's like, it's just about that feeling of like love and like you just like someone so much and like you have that like happy bubbly feeling inside. And he's wearing like a crazy outfit when he's saying it for the Tiny Desk concert. But I'm like, oh, I love that. Um, and it's just, it puts me in a good mood. And I just, I'm like, wow, he's really good. I like think I wasn't that into him for a while just because I didn't want to be. And now I'm like, oh, I'm such a fan. I think he's awesome. Does he have a girlfriend? I don't know. I actually, like, I know. What's that song about? Oh, yeah. Well, he dated Taylor Swift. And I've been like trying to like deep dive that I'm like, he has this song about someone that I think might be Taylor. And oh. it's like, don't, or he said something like a line in there where it's like, don't call him baby because you called me baby or something like that. And I was like, this is about Taylor. Like he wrote it back in the day. It's just now performing it. Yeah. Cause she's with some guy from London or something, I think. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I think. And there was other lines like Max, one of Max's guy friends who he swam with in college is like a big Taylor fan and was like deep diving into all this. And we're like, Johnny, like what? I was like, just like Sam, your wife, like get annoyed with like how obsessed you are with Taylor. Um, It's really funny. Uh, But yeah, but so we, I mean, that's also, I love Taylor too. Uh, Did you watch her? (laughs) Did either of you watch her? series or show on netflix yes so good like watched it like on the same day or within a couple days when you were still up at altitude and i think i was home at that point because i think we were texting about it and we were like oh my gosh bring back all the old taylor swift jams like rediscover her music yeah like when she was a country artist like um the slam and screen door song like i i watched it and i literally played taylor swift for like three weeks straight uh it's so good she has so many good ones i also like that picture to burn song i broke up with like my high school boyfriend and i was like yeah this is like my life like i really like this so so true that's what i love about her so much though because you know she started writing songs when she was like 13 and you know now she's 30 or you know somewhere around there and it's just like man if you really listen to her songs like leading up to now it's just her life and I'm like that's so freaking cool that she basically has her diary as number one songs that the world knows (laughs) I'm pretty obsessed okay Elise what Elise what is your uh, happy song um, mine is Happy Does by Kenny Chesney. I think I sent it to M and a few other people on the team. I've sent it to a lot of people because I've been obsessed with it and just listening to it so many times. It's a country song, but it's really good. He just talks about, you know, like, I don't know, being happy. Happy is as happy does. And it's a really happy song. <laughs> I wonder if someone has added that to the list because I have this playlist as an open public playlist. And I think that some people have added and there's definitely been some country songs um, Kenny Chesney, somebody else country. Anyway. Okay. Well, we'll add both of those songs to the playlist. We're at like 80 plus songs at this point. It's, you guys should look it up. I'll send you the link. It's a really good playlist. It's got like such a wide range of, of songs. Um, okay. What is bringing you joy right now? Oh, I mean, I think, I mean, paddleboarding has been so great for me. 
Um, that I'm doing some wedding planning, which has been really fun. Um, and then now that I have my sourdough down, baking has been good. Um, and Max and I are like redoing our patio. So we're just trying to spend more time outside. Um, so yeah, just lots of combinations of things, but, um, just little, depending on the day, I'm like, I'll, I might bake something. I might not. I've been paddleboarding is like my new everyday thing that I've been loving. And then just trying to be outside and, um, just kind of calm down, slow down, whatever it may be. Um, I recently got a ukulele for my birthday from a friend from college. And so that's bringing me a lot of joy because I can't remember the last time I like learned something completely new. Um, and I'm actually like become quite addicted to learning to master it and learn some songs. So I'm very much a beginner, but that's been a lot of fun. Um, and then I would also say cooking and baking and then FaceTimes uh, with my family. Uh, both my sisters, one of my sisters is a senior in college and the other is a senior in high school. So they're both missing out on a lot of events, but they've been like really creative. They made a little like at home prom with the family and then a little like at home graduation celebration for my sister that graduated from college. So they're I always like FaceTiming them and seeing all the creative ways that they're making the best of the situation. I, I keep thinking this. I think the hardest age for this to be happening would be that like high school senior year because when you're that young, those events are just like they're such a big deal. And yeah. I would have been devastated as a senior in high school missing out on gra- – I was such a social butterfly in high school, like I would have been devastated missing those opportunities to go to prom and graduation and just be with my friends all summer. Like that's, I feel like the summer after you graduate high school is like the best summer of your life. It's so much fun. And, um, that would be so hard. Yeah, I know. And I feel like school, you know, was canceled and it's like, they didn't even all get to say goodbye to each other. It's like the last time you might even ever see some of the people in your class, like in your life, because people go in such different directions. And it's sad that there's not one big like celebration or something at the end. Thank God for social media. Well, you'll be knowing what Susie and Becky and Karen are doing 20 years from now. You'll know how many kids they have all, you know, that's why like high school reunions just have no, you know, big there. It just seems like they're no big deal anymore because you literally can see what everybody's doing already anyway, for the most part, unless there are those few people that went off social media. You're all caught up on their lives already. Yeah. Cause I think I'm, I think this is so crazy to say. I think I'm like two years away from my 20 year high school reunion because I'm 36. I got to be close, maybe three years. And I'm like, it it seems so far away, but also I'm like a lot of these people, I'm friends with them on Facebook. So when I see them, I already know so many things, you know, it's, it's such a weird time. Tell me about the ukulele real quick and we'll wrap up. Are you just learning on YouTube or what? Yes, just learning on YouTube. I The first thing I started learning was the basic uh, chords to I'm Yours, but I still need to like work on the strumming pattern. It doesn't quite sound very good. And I wish I had a better singing voice because it would really like make the ukulele even better. So. <laughs> can Vanessa sing? She can be your singer while you play the ukulele. 
I know. I need to. I've tried to recruit Sean, but he <laughs> likes me. <laughs> um, okay, ladies. Well, let's let's end it with. Um, Tell us something that you're excited about for the rest of 2020 or 21, 2021. Oh, I mean, I'm, I'm excited thinking about getting married to Max. That's like my happy thing. Um, we did joke about it and we're like, maybe we should just go to the courthouse now and like, just get it done. And then we'll have a party like later, but like, let's just get married. Are but no, he's like, right. Is that going to happen? So. Are we doing that? He's shaking his head. Do you want to say hello? Say hello. Can we get a Max? cameo yeah can you come in really quick he looks very handsome right now oh does he have his mustache yeah hi max <laughs> can you um can you say hello to the listeners we the last time i talked to emily we were talked so much about you because you guys were newly dating so i think that everybody would love to hear you say what you love about emily oh yeah oh uh her laugh and the amount of laughter uh is definitely my favorite thing just a positive, happy, giggly person. That's what attracted me, attracted me to her immediately. And definitely is my favorite thing about her. And what does Emily think about your mustache? Because my husband just shaved his beard, so he's rocking a very similar mustache, and I have very mixed feelings about it. Yeah, I think it's a negative. Uh, <laughs> but she's kind and uh, is allowing me to, to, to keep it for the time being. So... Did you go full beard and shave it off? Because I think my for my husband, with his mustache, part of why it's so filled in is because he let his beard get really thick for a long time. And then he came downstairs two days ago with just the stash, and I was like, I cannot look at you right now. Like, everything you say, I cannot take it seriously. And I'm sort of getting used to it, though. Yeah, it, uh, you, you got to go full beard. If you just start, it looks real bad and real creepy if you just let it go in on its own. So you got to go full beard, and then and then it's a nice stark contrast when uh, when you shave the rest of the face. Oh, I love it. Well, thanks for the cameo, Max. Yeah. I think the listeners have been wanting to hear from you for a long time. You bet. <laughs> okay, Elise, what are you looking forward to? Um, I think I'm looking forward to getting back to training all together as a group again and just yeah working all together as a team and running with everyone less solo runs I love it okay ladies well when we know when races start happening again or you know when we get closer to next year 2021 when you know Olympic trials and stuff are happening we'll have to have you back on and and hear about what that year looked like yeah, I just would love that. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for your time, and you guys have a really great rest of your day. Oh, thanks so much. This was so Thank fun. You. Thanks. Bye, guys. Bye. All right. Thanks so much, everybody, for tuning in today. Thank you, Emily and Elise, for coming on the show. You all can find Emily on Instagram. She's Emily Enfeld over there. You can find Elise on Instagram. She's Elise.cranny. You can find me on Instagram. I'm lindsayhine626. On Twitter, I'm at lindsayhine. And on Facebook, I'm I'll Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine, where we have a group as well that you should definitely join. There's a great community over there, and we would love to have you. If you are looking for extra episodes for me, you can find that on Patreon, patreon.com slash lindsayhine. That's one of the best ways you can support this podcast. And I'm so thankful for each and every person over there already. All right. Go get yourself a koala clip. 
koalaclip.com. Use the code another at checkout. All right. Have a great Friday. Have a wonderful weekend and I will see you next time.